have the Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roll with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? They look great in person, and I uh, just can't wait to next year where we can pack it full of 25000 Hey, Bob, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guy Day. It was being ranked. I mean, how do you lose? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. It's time to go behind the grind, presented by the Fancy Points Media Group. And today we have the champ. The champ is here, the King's Classic Auction Champ from 2020, 2021. And I think there's a few more like championship belts kind of hanging in Drew Davenport's uh, wall of fame right now. Look, me, I don't know, you can't really see anything because of all the TVs there right now. But I mean, <laughs> you're talking about the champ of champs is joining us. And this all this whole fantasy football thing, this is just his side hustle, man. This is one of the most busiest dudes out there right now. Make sure you tune in. Make sure you follow him at Drew Davenport FF. Drew, how are you doing today? There you go. Fantastic, man. This is cool. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Man, you're hyping me up. You're making me feel like I'm really something. My head's <laughs> gonna get bigger as the show goes on. Thank you for having so, me. I don't know if you caught part one here. We talked about auction draft strategies, and basically this is how I'm trying to, you know, catching more bees with honey, a wolf in sheep's clothing here, so to speak, kind of getting into Drew there a little bit now, pumping him up a little bit, getting him a little bit confident going in the auction draft just to crush him. Actually, I'm in the Len Dawson division, so it doesn't really matter, but hey, we're that's what we're here for. But we got to kick this off because we all love music, and I need to know right now if you were – a closer in the major league baseball or if you were a wwe superstar what would that ring music be what is that music to introduce you to the people going to sound like boy oh boy starting off tough um i have so the music i listen to is pretty chill um but you know what you want to hear something funny uh, i'm i swear i'm not trying to be a 22 year old but i've got really gotten into jack <laughs> harlow lately so <laughs> yeah. you, you know you can do whatever you want with that information. Jack I think I'd have to pick something from Jack Harlow right now. You got you want to sing a little something for us? You want to give us a couple little beats here? Hell no, hell no. <laughs> mama, smart man. So usually the next question, talent. the follow-up question to this is typically, hey, what's that guilty pleasure song? But I want to change it up a little bit here. What is that one song that maybe you listen to that gets you dancing like Jean-Claude Van Damme? <laughs> That's oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That's my favorite gift in the world. Oh gosh. So what gets me dancing? Man, I don't know. That's that's good. I'm old school. So I'm I'm 46 years old. Uh can I just boy some Snoop? Uh give me some give me some Dre, give me some bone thugs. I mean, there I'm I'm go. old. I'm old, but that's that's I love those are three of my favorites. So I'm trying to think, I'm trying to put your age here. You said 46, so I don't think I'm stating something out of the ordinary here. You kind of want to go a little bit old school with the music. I was thinking maybe maybe throw in a little bit of the Beach Boys there. Maybe a little bit of the surface there. A little wipe out. <laughs> wipe out. A little, bit, a little bit to your allude to your surfing abilities. Talk about that surfing ability you have going on. I don't have a lot of surfing ability. I like to surf. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'm stuck in Ohio. I came through that. I came to that whole thing because I had a roommate in college who was obsessed with it. He would get like a surfing magazine in the mail. This is in the infancy of the internet days. So he would check 
the results of the surfing events online, and I was always like, what is up with this dude? Well, then he leaves me high and dry before my senior year, moves out to San Diego, starts surfing. Now he lives in Hawaii. He's still my best friend in the world. And he got me into it because then when the surfing, uh, like the championship tour, started being broadcast on the internet, I could watch every event. And, oh, man, it's just it's just there's something about the culture, the people, the um, just the the feeling when you get on the back of a surfboard and you're kind of just riding a wave. It sounds a little cliche, but it's just it's such a pure moment. You're not thinking about anything else. You know, you're going kind of fast, standing up, kind of looking around like this is this is amazing. It's a it's a wonderful feeling. I wish I didn't live in Ohio, but, um, you know, that's how I came to it. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed. Please yeah, tell me there's a picture up there somewhere. Tell me there's a picture up there somewhere with Drew Davenport with frosted tips. Please tell me it's out there. Matt, yeah. it is a thousand percent out there. It's not on the internet, <laughs> yes. but I have frosted tips back in law school. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent it's out there. That's funny. Yeah, but I know what you mean about surfing. I, I went to Hawaii on vacation and I mean, I, I wiped out like a hundred times and I was kind of sore afterwards. But like when you're out there and on the waves, it, it's, it, it is something different. It's let's let's, let's talk about let's talk about young Drew. Let's get to know him a little bit. Did you play All any right. sports as a, as a youth? Yeah, I played everything. Um, it was a huge, huge part of me growing up. Uh, you know, played uh, soccer, tennis, golf, baseball. Uh, didn't get heavy into football. I liked football, but I was better at the other stuff. So I stuck with that other stuff. And then soccer really ended up being my main sport that I turned in, uh, turned out to be the best at. So I stuck with soccer through high school and played for some traveling teams and then sort of hung it up until, you know, I got to be in college with um, some people who played and I just played recreationally. It was kind of nice to do that after just grinding uh, soccer for three seasons out of the year for my whole, uh, you know, life growing up. Mm-hmm. I got back to playing it as an adult as something I enjoyed. So, yeah, sports has just been a huge part of my life. Yeah, and who are some of your favorite players or teams growing up? It can be soccer, football, basketball, whatever. Actually, uh, I'm a Steelers fan, so that happened real organically. I was like three years old, and they were on TV all the time because I was born in 76. And my parents said I love the black and gold, and I would just sit there and watch Steelers games. And then uh, my first memory is being a Steelers fan. So that's one of them. Uh, My brother ended up going to Indiana University uh, when I was in seventh grade. And I got to visit him up there and fell in love with Indiana University, uh, IU basketball. So I ended up going to IU for my uh, college degree, and I'm a huge IU basketball fan. Uh, the The saying I've always heard about when you get older is you have to pare down your sports tree. You have to, you know, I used to be a huge Reds fan. I, don't, I just don't watch baseball anymore. Um, I used to be a huge Cavs fan. I just don't watch the NBA much anymore. I don't have the time. I'm way too busy with two little kids. So it's really down to the Steelers and um, – and, and and the Hoosiers in basketball. Who's who's your favorite uh, Steeler? Oh, gosh, my favorite Steeler probably Rod Woodson. I think mm. he's my favorite all time. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> yeah, good choice. See, I'm, I, I'm a Raiders fan through and through, and I still can respect Mel Blunt and what he did for that position there. So, hey, uh, there's certain Steelers I still like, even though it was clearly in the Troy Polamalu is one of the one of the top ones as well. USC baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, Drew, I want to bring this back to a little bit of fantasy football here. A little bit of trash talk, maybe, uh, if we can. Uh-oh. I'm looking at the Kings Classic here now, and you are back-to-back champs. We've got to mention this already. 
Are we going to see a three-peat? Because I'm saying there's some big dogs coming in the house. I mean, me, Hutch, Gutierrez there, we're all kind of moving back down to the Dawson. Wait, wait, who, who, was that, who was that first one? What what was that about? You said it was some <laughs> big dogs, and you said, who did you say again? Hey, for the record, I was eight and six in the auction. Thank you very much. The, the, our league last year, it was tight. <laughs> I mean, between first and, like, you, it was hard to get the playoffs because everyone like was so close. Sneak that by really quick, like some big dogs no, no, and me, some other guys. <laughs> hey, hey, the big dog is going to eat every once in a while, but we got we're talking about. I think the fancy points guys they've got a team going in here this year. Mm -hmm. Marcus Grant, he's coming back from the NFL network for this auction. So, yeah. again, you talk about getting to know people, competing with these guys, knowing them a little bit more from maybe their maybe a previous interaction, and now you get different bodies coming in yet again mm -hmm. and then changing how your philosophy is. And you kind of mentioned how you kind of sit back a little bit. Are you able to sit back when you get these other guys in the room? That's going to be hard because it's a mixed bag. When you sit back, sometimes you lose out on opportunities. So I'm really going to have to be on my game. And that's why I'm a little nervous that it's Monday night and I haven't done any prep yet. And I still have a lot to do before I leave. I got to turn in like 390 billion articles before I leave. So I am a little nervous about that. I think Graham Barfield's coming in uh, and, and they're leaving Harditz in our room. And, and Harditz was against me in the Super Bowl last year. And I just have to stress this. I appreciate you saying like 14 times already that I'm back-to-back -back champ, but it takes a lot of luck to win a, a league with 14 guys that really know what they're doing, uh, guys or women, whatever the case may be, who really know what they're doing. And to do it two times in a row, it's just a ton of luck. What happened to me last year was I got nice deals on Eckler and Devontae Adams, and then they stayed healthy all year. I mean, that's really all it amounts to. In a 14-teamer, if you lose a guy like that, you're not winning the league. So – it takes a lot of luck. A three-peat, man, it, I'll, I'll say this. The back-to-back the, the -back was the highlight of my fantasy career, bar none. I don't know. I told my wife, she's, you know, she came down and sweated out the last quarter and a half with me because I was against A.J. Dillon. Uh, on, remember, I don't know if you remember the cold game against the Vikings. And um, our Hardits had uh, A.J. Dillon, and I was up by like 26 points or something like that going to the second half. And I said, well, as long as Dylan doesn't have three touchdowns in the second half, I'm winning this thing. So, you know, drive number one, <laughs> bam, Dylan touchdown. Drive number three, bam, Dylan touchdown. I'm like, oh, my God. So my wife comes down. She calls me down. She, you know, she didn't understand why it was such a big deal. But, you know, that's those are once-in-a-lifetime things, which means that I don't think of three peats in the offing. I'm going to give it my best shot. Obviously, I'm going to work my ass off to try to do it. I don't know that that's going to happen. I think I was lucky enough to win, too. So Now, Drew – do you remember how many points you put up in that championship game? I don't remember the exact number. I remember um, almost exactly what the margin was because there was a couple things that swung my way that I would have lost. So I think I won by well, nine points. Yeah, you got 156.14. Now, I don't want to say anything here, but here unfortunately go. I didn't make it to that championship game, but I put up 159.16. So... <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, take that for what you will. I mean, is this show about Drew <laughs> or is this show about Matt? There's a lot of Matt sneaking himself into, like, the the thick of things. Like, come on. Let's go well, I was down James Robinson and Adam Thielen uh, by the end, and that really hurts in a league like that. So I was actually surprised I put up that much. Dare um, Agumbawale uh, scored for me, uh, picked him up off the wire that week, and he scored for me. So, again – you know, just stuff had to line up, got pretty lucky to to do it because I was missing two pretty big producers for me in that last week. 
just gonna say I'm enjoying this preemptive Matt trash talk for an auction, but I mean it's yes, making me a little yes, nervous he's because for, uh, he's ready for the uh, the weekend, you know. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> getting ready. Let's dive back into uh, let's dive back into fantasy football um, and get a little bit more personal with you. Um, tell us about a decision that changed the trajectory of your life. Well, when you talk about fantasy football, I, that that is actually. I mean, I've got a couple different ones about my life in general, but fantasy right out of the gate, I'll say this. The only reason I am where I am is because back in 2019, when the Tyreek Hill thing was going on, I was, um, I was thinking about creating a, just a fantasy account to talk about auction draft because I thought that there just wasn't enough people playing it and talking about it. So I thought I'm going to go on Twitter and just create an account and just call myself an auction expert and just see what happens. Well, then the Tyreek Hill thing starts. And then I'm like, you know, a lot of people are getting this wrong. There, There is a lot of work product out there that we're going to see about this Tyreek Hill case. I ended up being completely wrong because the judge sealed all the records, but that's another story. But I thought, you know, people are getting this thing wrong. I need to talk about this. So I put out a tweet uh, thread, my first ever legal update, and Joe Bryant noticed it and uh, dropped into my DMs and said, hey, we're looking for an auction guy and we're looking for a legal guy. It just so happens you do both. Seems like a perfect fit. What do you say? And I couldn't say yes fast enough. And that's where I am today. Uh, that's why I am where I am today. That was that was momentous. So, you know, along this journey, I mean, you touch on two uh, parts that are kind of, I would say, I don't want to say that auctions are, are cutting edge, but they're becoming more popular, more mainstream as people are looking for ways to explore to get out of that snake draft kind of, you know, mentality. And then legal as well. We see a lot more legal people taking legal interest in these players, understanding that these are things that greatly affect their fantasy drafts. So, you know, from the times that you got started to now, how do you see these things changing and where do you where do you see them heading? That's a great question. Uh, I do see that there is more of an excitement for auction drafting out there. And what I see a lot of and, and maybe it's just because it's me and I'm looking for it. But I do because it's such a niche that I think that you really have to sell people on why they should do it. And I know that sounds weird, but I always go back to the thing I talk about all the time with, when I'm like, hey, everybody, let's go do this fun thing this weekend. Like, let's go canoeing this weekend or let's go, uh, you know, go to this show and whatever. You really have to like force people to have a good time. I don't, I, I've never understood it, but you have to force people like get out of the house, come do something fun. People rarely regret when they step outside their comfort zone and go do something like that. So that's how I feel about auction drafting. I feel like you got to convince people that it's going to be fun before you even get to the conversation about why it's good for fantasy football, because it is so much more fun. I or I believe it's more fun. So I think that we're slowly making inroads. So to answer your question, I think it's going to be a, a painstaking process because I do believe that people are just kind of they they like what they like, and that's okay because I don't hate snake drafts. It's just that. I think if you try auctions, you would say, why have I not been doing this? And so the challenge is, how do I convince people of that? If they aren't going to listen to me, they're not going to turn on my show to learn about auction drafts if they don't already think that they want to do it. So the the trick is, how do I get people to care about it in the first place? And that means trying to take it more mainstream. I don't know. I don't know that I have the answer for that yet. I just have to keep pushing and trying to convert people one by one because it's going to be a tough process. 
Yeah. As I see things, I see more people asking and more people saying, you know, why aren't you guys doing, you know, as we're, you know, talking about stuff and people say, why aren't you doing more, more information on auction drafts? So I feel like it's, I feel like it's coming along as people start to realize that, you know, as you guys were talking about before, if you want DeAndre Swift, you don't have to be in a specific position to be able to get him. You don't have to reach. You don't have to try and adjust the way that you're drafting. You can go out and get your guys. So it's, it's really interesting. I, I, I feel like I agree with you, the painstaking part, but I see people getting more interested in it. Yeah. And, and what I would say about it is just real simply, you don't have to have a lot of skin in the game to go do it. Just go do a $5 draft with some people and just say, Hey, we're just going to do a best ball and just, just, just to do an auction. It doesn't even have to be something you play out. Just do best ball, five bucks, 10 bucks. So everybody has a little bit on the line. So they're going to take it seriously because mock auctions will not help you. They won't give you an idea of how fun it is. It's fun when you actually have something on the line and people are going to play it to the end. So just, you know, try it. As soon as you do one, you're going to say, ah, that's something I got to do again. Well, I, I'm no chemist, but there, there's something about the, whatever gets released when you win one of those auction bids, whether you've overpaid or not, I mean, you get excited. You get excited. Then you're like, oh, crap. You know, it's it, the, the different emotions yeah, that come with an auction it. bid. You mean, there's anger. There's there's love. There, there's excitement. It's, <laughs> it's everything all in one little 20 second, 30 second. Or if you're doing one online, is there anything worse than that timer going all the way down to one second and then someone putting a bid in and it goes back up to 30 seconds? I mean... I don't know how many times I have thrown something clearly across the room because of something <laughs> like that happening. So again, we're, we're doing the online kind of thing here for the Dawson division at the Kings classic, except there's about six of us that are probably going to be present in the draft room with the Blanda and the Brown guys. So I'm probably going to throw something. So just a heads up, take cover, maybe put a helmet on. I mean, it may be your safest <laughs> bet because something is going to get thrown live at the Kings classic. I don't, I don't, do you know how the rooms are going to work this year? Cause I haven't heard like we're moving out of the hall into this bubble, but we can't do an auction when there's everybody in the same room. So I don't know how that's going to work. I, I haven't heard. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I'm sure Bob's got some kind of plan for that already. I'm sure it's kind of spaced out a little bit, but I, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's going to be chaos and Hey, I embrace the chaos mostly because I have no clue what I'm tell. doing. And if, and if no one else knows what I'm doing, I mean, I think that's an advantage. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> it's it's hard to draft against somebody who is a little bit uh, unpredictable. I, I definitely I stay just away say, from just those say crazy. Just say crazy, and you should stay away from that. Of oxen drafts. I'm a guest here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a guest. <laughs> uh, it's better coming from the guest. But let's let's get off the fantasy football aspect and let's talk about you again. Um, tell us something about yourself that people wouldn't realize. Like, if you have any hitting uh, hidden uh, talents or anything like that. Uh, hidden talents, uh, outside of poker, you know, I, I consider myself, uh, to be a solid poker player. Uh, something people might not know. Well, I'll tell you what, I got my black belt when I was in college. I'm a black belt in Taekwondo, but, uh, I haven't followed that up with a whole lot of training as an adult. I, I taught for a while in my twenties. And so it's been, geez, gosh, it's, I'm at that age where you think everything was like four years ago and it's actually it's like 20. 13. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the last time I taught was like in my upper 20s. So it's been almost 20 years since I've done it. But yeah, that's something people might not know about me. Nice. Um, keeping kind of on this trend, uh, we talked about in season versus off season a little bit earlier. Um, but I have to ask, you know, in season versus off season, um, let's say in season. 
is it more stressful doing fantasy football or being a lawyer? Ooh, that's tough. I will say this. I don't create as much content for football guys during the season. So the busyness level goes down. I think that doing what I do is actually something that is can be both things because when I'm in court on certain days, I only have I have court like three out of the five days of the week. I'm in the office the other two. When I'm in court, it's literally the most stressful thing in my life because you're really the ringleader when you're the public defender. That sounds kind of funny. You would think it's the judge or the prosecutor or something, but they're all waiting on you because they schedule you on a Monday afternoon. I might have 25 cases. So I have to be between 1130 and 230. I got I to rip through 25 cases. So everyone's waiting on you. The client expects something of you. The prosecutor's waiting on you. The judge is waiting on you. And they're all coming at you from different angles. Judge wants you to move the cases because he doesn't want his docket clogged the defendant has a right to be represented zealously and fight their case. And then the prosecutor wants you to plead everything. So he doesn't have to have trials. It's it's you get pressure from all the angles. You really feel the pressure. It's, it's a ringer. Like you wouldn't um, you wouldn't wish on anybody, yeah. but then the days I'm in the office, man, it's pretty laid back, you know, cause I work for the public defender. If we take care of business and we take care of our dockets, they generally leave us alone. So there is a push and, and pull there. But I'd have to say when I'm in court, it's easily uh, more stressful being a lawyer. So the next question is a little personal. Um, what's what's on your YouTube playlist? <laughs> cat cat videos, Perry Mason uh, episodes, you know, <laughs> Law and Order. Like, which, what, 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 what are you working with over there? Uh, okay, so you, I'm going to be real honest here. I hope you're ready for it. So I have, well, first of all, the obvious one, I watch a lot of surfing videos. Uh, Kelly Slater, um, you know, I'm obsessed with Kelly Slater. He's he's one of the coolest dudes to ever walk the planet. Uh, so I watch a lot of that stuff. But, you know, it's a lot of music that, um, that I get into that's a little bit off the beaten path, like covers and things like that. Uh, you know, I'm currently obsessed with Jack Johnson and Kelly Slater covering the song Home uh, together. Uh, I, I, I went through a, like a little Miley Cyrus Jolene phase there and it's a, it's pretty it's, weird. It's really uh, good. Major. Come on. What's that? <laughs> He's shaking his head. I said, major, it's really good. I really like her cover of Jolene was. Yeah. Really good. She's so talented. She might be a weirdo, but she's so talented. Way too um, nasally for me. Like Miley's a little too nasally. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can get that. I can get how she's off putting for sure. Um, <laughs> Some other things probably, you know, I get into um, comedians a lot. So Same. I'm a huge John Mulaney fan. So I'll watch him. I'll watch Bill Burr, uh, Bill Dave Burr. Chappelle, although Chappelle's, Chappelle's really trying to piss people off. I'm, I'm trying to stay even because I think he's a great entertainer, but uh, that's Bill a different story. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So comedians, um, music, like live music. I'll watch dead shows. I'll watch uh, Buffett shows. Um, yeah. And I've done a lot of surfing. So we've talked about poker a little bit. We've talked about your your day job there as a lawyer. We've all talked about auction drafts. Part of me seems to think that these three are basically intertwined in one way, shape, or another. I mean, very similar mindsets. So I need to know, would Kenny Rogers, a.k.a. the gambler, make for a good lawyer? <laughs> well, I tell you what, there is a lot of, you're right, there is a lot of interplay between these things because a lot of what I do, people don't, don't realize this, but 
a large part of my job is just sitting there while my clients lie to me all day because <laughs> I don't know why, but the, when you represent them, they think that they somehow need to tell you this other version. When you, I've been doing this so long, I can tell when people aren't being truthful with me. And so really watching people's body language and seeing how they act when they lie, that plays into my job, uh, you know, auction drafting, poker, it kind of weaves its way all the way through. That makes sense. So, yeah, it's it's a big part of my life. And and I think I was just forced to learn it, not because that was something I knew I was going to have to deal with. It just it just sort of happened organically. And here we are. That's something that now I'm good at because that's all I've done for 20 years. Yeah. So if you weren't the FF auction expert or the lawyer, what would you be doing? <laughs> I'd be living in Hawaii with my buddy. Surfing, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd be surfing. I, and I say this all the time. I, I, my, I met my wife at my job, so that gave me my family, my wife, my kids. I wouldn't take that back for anything in the world. But if you're talking about hypothetical, yeah, absolutely. I'd be probably living in Tahiti, Hawaii, something like that, just surfing and trying to work a minimum wage job to eat every day. Have been a beach I, I forgot to mention. Funny. I forgot yeah. to mention that Twitter basically intertwines with that too. You just mentioned how you're used to people lying to you all day. I mean, that's basically Twitter in a nutshell as well. <laughs> now, yep. next question here on the on our docket is: When you're looking at fantasy football, what has fantasy football taught you about yourself? That's a great one. Um, I think it. I think the first thing that pops to mind is it's taught me that I'm a pretty cautious person person by nature. That I don't really love. Um, volatility. I don't like a lot of risk taking. And I know that that's antithetical to some of the ideas in fantasy football. So I have to really push myself. But I think that that's great because it's made me aware of my limitations. And it's a, po it's a problem with my poker game too. It's definitely a hole in my game that I'm a little bit too cautious. I'm a little bit too um, willing to um, sort of accept that, hey, this person has me beat in this hand. I'm going to fold and fight another day. That's kind of been my uh, way I play fantasy, the way I play poker. And I think that's a, just a large part of my personality. I think that probably comes from my mom. She was a bit of a helicopter parent. And I think that's been drummed into me, into my personality. So it definitely leaks into everything I do. See, we, we can learn a thing or two. You can teach me to be a little bit more cautious, and I can teach you not to know as much. I mean, <laughs> I, I was always taught you, you can never beat an idiot in an argument, right? They will bring you down to their level and then beat you with experience. And that's my whole goal when I go into about just about every single thing in life. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I have a little bit of an obsessive part of my personality, too, that I can't stand losing. And so I have this like uh, doggedness when I'm in the middle of a tournament or in the middle of an auction draft, like nobody is going to work harder than me in this moment and beat me because I was sleeping on something or because I didn't prepare or because like that stuff drives me wild there. I'm going to lose plenty of times for other reasons, but I don't want that reason to be because I didn't try hard enough or I didn't work hard enough or I didn't prepare. Right. It's obsessive, yeah. unfortunately. The mama mentality. <laughs> Yeah, not the worst quality in the world. <laughs> um, we talked, uh, we've uh, talked a lot, a lot of people actually, you know, talking about the fantasy football expo, the King's Classic, um, and relationships we know are very important within this industry, industry of fantasy football. Um, you know, who are one or two people within the industry that you really respect that have helped you along the way? Well, I don't want to be cliche, but, uh, there's a lot of them, and I don't want to leave anybody out. Joe Bryant was was big in bringing me on board, 
But I think that one of the conversations that I'll never forget was a conversation I had with Sigmund Bloom right after I got hired. And he said, he made the analogy that he said, you're coming into the office and you're flipping on the lights in the auction division and you can do whatever you want with it. And he said, there really isn't anybody out there doing auction stuff that you can really point to and say, this is the guy that you go to for auction stuff. And he said, that can be you. And I thought to myself, man, you're, you're ridiculous. Like you're just talking to a new employee. You're trying to make me excited. You're trying to get me pumped up to do some work, but he was right. And a hundred percent was correct that there's a little niche there that need to be exploited. I'm trying to do that. I don't know if I've made it yet, but I'll never forget that conversation with Sigmund. Um, and then I, I'll say this, that Mike Taglier was, and again, I don't like name dropping like he's, but he has had such an impact impact on people that I realize what kind of person it, it takes to be that because I get messages all the time. Can you help me with this? Or can you help me with that? I try to respond to all of them. I can't get to all of them. I've never heard a Mike Taglier story that like, Hey, I wrote him and then he didn't write me back or right. my, he was this or that. He was just, he was just a prince of a man. I want people to think that way about me. It's really, really hard right now to get to every DM and every response and every tweet. And man, I, I practically kill myself trying to do that and beat myself up about it. But I learned that from people who genuinely understood that what we're trying to do is help people. We're not here for us for our own, you know, pride or aggrandizement or whatever, however you want to say it. We're really here to help people. That's why we got into this. Now I know some people are in, in it for the money or fame or whatever, but most of us, we got here because we want to help people. We love fantasy football. I try to keep myself grounded around that. And I think that comes from guys like Joe Bryant and Sigmund Bloom and Mike Taglier. So I just had, you know, I'll even point to Matthew Barry. I mean, he came on my show. He committed to coming on my show before I had a show, which right. is wild to me. In March and April of 2020, um, 2021, I was thinking and conceptualizing my show. And I'm like, well, is anybody going to care? So I reach out to Matthew Barry and say, do you want to come on my show? He writes me back. Yeah, Drew, I'd love to come on your show. And I was blown away. And then I realized, you know, that's because he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be there and to be scrambling and trying to make your way up. And and I look at those kind of guys and think that that's that's what I want to be. That's how I want to be. Nice. So let's let's put a nice little bow on this one. Last question here. One piece of your uh, one piece of advice for those trying to make it in fantasy football and then your best piece of advice for parents. OK. Or parenting um, advice. Yeah. I got that in spades, I think. I, I'm still trying to get there, but I'm not quite there yet. Um, yeah, so fantasy football, trying to make it, that is tough because there are two things that pop into mind. Number one is find a niche. I fell backwards into mine. I didn't really get that when I was getting into the industry. I just got lucky kind of falling into this niche that I realized now was needed, and, and especially the legal thing. So find your niche. Find something you do a little differently. You know, guys like Dwayne McFarland taught us that, you know, usage stats and things like that. So find your niche. But also, uh, I talked with, who did I talk with? Lee? Um, uh, it was uh, Liz uh, Loza from Yahoo. And she said she created a schedule for herself at, that forced her to put out content in a regular fashion. And I thought that was really interesting because I don't have like a schedule for myself. I try to put something out every day. But man, it is tough with two little kids and, a, and another job. And so what she said really made sense. And I think I would say that to everybody out there, if you're not putting out enough content, you're not developing a portfolio and nobody's going to notice you because you're not out there. 
So you really got to put yourself out there and commit to putting out a certain amount of content every week in order to, to get ahead because those who grind are going to be the ones who get noticed. So that would be what I'd say about fantasy. And then uh, parenting, I may I always make this analogy about parenting. Nobody told me it was going to be the hardest thing and also the remote, most rewarding thing at the same time. No, nobody told me that. I don't know why they didn't tell me about this like dichotomy. Like it's going to be so hard, but it's going to be worth it. The advice I have is every day that I walk into my lawyer job, I was always told, you know, you're going to have these ethical issues and they're going to come up in your job. And I thought, yeah, yeah, right. You know, somebody's going to come and try to like, hey, can you bribe the judge or what? I don't know. I had these dumb ideas about what ethical issues were. I deal with ethical issues every day in my job. And the reason I'm saying that is I think it's analogous to being a parent. Nobody ever told me that every day you're parenting that child with these little micro lessons that you're teaching them every day. And I always thought, no, it's going to be like, hey, don't drink and drive. Hey, don't put dirt in your ear. Like like that stuff, I thought it was going to be obvious like when those moments came, but those Mm -hmm. moments happen all day, every day. And they happen at the most inopportune times, driving the kids home from daycare. Dad, what does it mean to die? And you're like, bro, you're seven. Like what? what? <laughs> like relax. every single. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's my, <laughs> that's my seven-year-old. He's this deep thinker. Right. Where do we go when we die? He's already asking all these questions. I'm like, you're seven, man. Think about Paw Patrol, bro. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> but I did not. I was not prepared for that. So I think the biggest piece of advice is you're going to have to deal with that every day and just be prepared. And the best thing you can do is just be honest with your children about how you feel about it. Like, hey, I don't necessarily know that answer perfectly, but here's what I know about it. And kids appreciate that and they understand that you're that you're being honest and they they latch on to that more than you think. So talk to them like a person, right? I, that's like my yeah. that's one yeah. of my favorite things I do with my daughter. Even when she was little, I talked to her like she was a person. I never did the oh the Google Gaga stuff. Like, hey, this is what it is. And now yeah. she's like a well-adjusted young adult. <laughs> yep. I hope I get there, man. It's, it's tough. It is tough. You know, I'll, I'll share some tips with you off the air here. Cause uh, if it's, if it's happened, I've seen it uh, in my experience <laughs> exactly. here so far. So I got plenty of good, bad and ugly stories to kind of talk about there. But what I want to say here right off the get go is first off, if you haven't gone to fastypoints.com, you want to get that subscription right now, head there right now, use promo code Vipers 22, get 10% off because it's one of the best bang for the buck websites out there today. And what we got to talk about Drew Davenport here in the football guys, because if you want to catch more of his work, you got to head to the footballguys.com right now. That's where you'll find that mastering series there on salary caps. You got to head to the expo. You're going to catch all about his uh, breaking panel there on the auctions there. You can catch his podcast there, the auction brief podcast. If you're into poker, Hey, First day of the expo, a little bit of an icebreaker going down there. Get to know everyone there. It was a $50 buy-in to get to your table to get playing. There's no more spots left to play, but that doesn't mean you can't come and watch and enjoy and get in on some food, some prizes. $50 gets you in the door to have a good uh, ice-breaking with some other fans and analysts around the community there. You just got to talk about Jonathan that real before we go. Mm. Oh, yeah. Win that yeah. JT jersey. I know. Yeah. So we're giving away some cool prizes. You know, Joe's donated some merchandise and some subscriptions. And then I got, you know, some things like a bourbon basket, uh, wine basket, um, you know, just things of that nature. And then we have some cool memorabilia, Keenan Allen uh, mini helmet that's signed. And then, of course, the crown jewel, the JT Royal Blue autograph jersey. So 
Uh, 50 bucks gets you in the door for the food and the fun and the mingling, kind of kick things off right. And hey, who knows? If you show up and you want to play poker, there's probably going to be some no-shows. Might have a chance to still sneak into the tournament. Nice. Uh, that sounds fantastic. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to a little bit of a competition there. Whether we're in the same division or not, I'm sure I'll try and distract you one way or shape or the other, especially if we're in the <laughs> same room. Because that's what I like to do. That's what I, that's how I work. Especially if there's bidding on someone in my division that I really don't want to have anything to do with. I may just walk over to one of the other auctions and start uh, yelling at people. Sounds amazing. His middle name with is that, distraction. So. <laughs> it, it's true. It's true. I mean, when you, basically, I said I live in organized chaos all the time. I kind of thrive in it. If things are too calm, that is when I'm worried the most, especially in this house. If there's no racket going on, there's something serious going on. Tara knows exactly what I'm talking about because if her kids are too quiet, one of them's probably in a lot of trouble. That's all being said. <laughs> yeah. You're never going to be in trouble when you're here on the behind the grind, on the Viper cast for Major, for Tara, for Drew. This has been Behind the Grind once again, and we will see you next week. Take care.